0: Welcome to the Litigation Management Podcast. I'm your host, the CEO of Case Glide, Wesley Todd. And as you know, the Litigation Management Podcast is where I interview some of the most successful people in and around the claims and litigation management industry. I'm in it for the home runs. I get the opportunity to talk with people like the people you're going to talk with today. And I want you to have that opportunity Uh, because these folks, the leaders that I'm speaking with, they are the people that are having the biggest impact on claims and litigation for you, the adjuster, the executive, the attorney. uh, I have had incredible guests already, and today is no exception. I have Bob Ritchie. Bob is the founder and CEO of American Integrity Insurance, and I am going to leave it to Bob to tell you more about his background. Bob and I are going to talk about leadership today, and Bob and I could talk and have talked for hours upon hours, but we're gonna do our best to talk about leadership today. Bob, welcome to the podcast. Could you uh, share your background with the Case Clyde Litigation Management Podcast audience?
1: Sure, thanks, Wes. Appreciate the opportunity. Before I talk about me, which will be minimal, I I wanna talk about you. And I wanna thank you for your thought leadership and for your incredible bravery and courage in creating and designing Case Clyde and other approaches toward litigation management. There was a void there, you found it and you're serving and because of you and Carly and your leadership, our industry is in a much better place. So thank you for that. Thank you, Bob. So I'm a career guy, I'm an insurance geek and started in the industry more than a few decades ago uh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed my career and I've worked for big and small companies in various uh, areas of the industry Started American Integrity in 2006, Uh, obviously here in Florida. We're only a Florida company, and we serve the underserved. Florida, as you know, is a unique animal for residential property insurance. And so uh, it's a feast or famine environment. We're currently in one of the greatest crises that we've experienced uh, in in a generation down here. But So it's not everybody's cup of tea, but uh, we love it. And it's a great industry to serve, and it's a rock and roll environment. Uh, but for us, uh, we're able to serve and to be a part of uh, Florida's business and residential network, and hopefully to add value. In the,
0: in the crisis you're talking about, the litigation crisis, that's not going to be uh, unfamiliar to anybody that's listening to this pod. A lot of the listeners are probably in it. You, you look back to when you started American Integrity, this is why having Bob on. So, Bob, not only has led, you know, is leading a, a large organization through this, but Bob also created this out of thin air and 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 that's innovation. And so, you know, it, innovation is, uh, uh, to me, it's an essential part of leadership. So I, I think that's why you're uniquely positioned as an entrepreneur, but not just a leader. You weren't placed into the CEO role at American Integrity once it was all said and done. Uh, you built it out of thin air, built all those jobs and. So you have a unique perspective and, you know, most of our audience is going to be claims professionals and attorneys. Bob, It's not often that a claims professional gets to hear directly from a CEO of one of these companies. Um, you know, there are, are, are people that are, that are on this podcast, uh, probably younger group of claims professionals. They're going through so much personally and professionally. Um, what, what advice do you have for them? What should they be doing right now?
1: Well, let's start uh, with the, the professional side uh, for all of you that are in this industry and serving in claims, litigation, management, and the like. I cannot think of a greater period of time in your career. I'm going to go out on a limb a little bit here. For the Florida residential property insurance industry, this is your moment. And what I mean by that is the crisis is existential. And it's never been this big since right after Hurricane Andrew in 1992. And the, 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 the challenge is this time it's manmade. It's legal extortionism that's happening. You guys know the numbers, the tens now hundreds of thousands of, of lawsuits. You know the statistic that the commissioner of insurance recently issued while we're 8% of residential property claims for the country, Florida represents 76% of lawsuits. So this is a moment for your value add, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're serving a TPA, whether you're serving an insurance company like ours, any related part of the industry, your value add is monumental. And everybody's job is important and valuable, and frankly tough. I cannot think of the tougher position though, with litigation management in Florida. I also cannot think whether you're 25 or 65, whether you're in the middle of your career, the front of your career or in the last chapter, this is the moment where who you are serving, and, and, and you're serving many people here, your value add has never been greater. And so all eyes and all ears and all ideas emanate from litigation management, how we tame this tiger, how we control it, and how we shrink it. I, I think it's a pretty cool time to be in the area. So that's that's my first thought, Wes, when it comes to the professional value add for folks that are listening to this podcast?
0: I I can't thank you enough for that on behalf of all the adjusters, because I think that we're the fall guys a lot. And uh, it's really nice to hear a leader that understands exactly how uh, big or or how difficult that role is. But also, I think it's fair to say that this is their moment. This is your moment. Um, You are going to make or break all the constituents with even down to Floridians with your actions and uh, I thought it was a great point you also made about, you know, it could be through entrepreneurship, but this is your moment. Um, I appreciate that and I hope that that energized uh, the audience. So on the whole other end of the spectrum, Bob, um, you've always set this tone of vulnerability. Now, I believe this is foreign in most insurance companies. There's only a couple that I could think of that we work with where it's okay to make a mistake. and, and it, But the only thing that's not okay is if you don't share it, they learn from it. Um, in a world where everybody's feeling so much pressure and it all goes down, who knows what it looks like when it gets down to the adjuster, the attorney, right? I mean, We feel a little bit of pressure. We might slip up here and there, but imagine as it goes down the reins, uh how, how is that possible how do you cultivate that willingness to uh make mistakes and and frankly why why why, why do you think that that's the right um you know uh, perspective
1: i think i've shared with you less um in, in in prior times in our great conversation these last couple of years um my nine Words that are least used in business and maybe even in life. And there, there are three sets of three words, a couple of contractions. And, and, and those nine words that the first set are, that are never said in big businesses, that are not said maybe even in personal relationships for feelings of being vulnerable and of being too transparent about what you know. And, and so those first three sets of words, first, first three words or I don't know, but most people cannot say that. Many people won't say it in big business and I've worked for big companies and if you say those words, well, you're, you're, you're supposed to know. And so then you get in this game of, of trying to presume that you know things that you don't know and, and just the, the story gets bigger and bigger. So uh, those are important words, um, you know, I, I don't know. Um, and then um, the, the, the next set of three words, are, I think, even more scarce. And that is, I was wrong. And and not to be used in a duplicitous way or in a forum to control people. Uh, Just one-on-one, one-on-one. I I said something, I did something, and, and I was wrong. And I just want you to know that I acknowledge my imperfection and that I did something that was wrong. The final three cents once get to this 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 vulnerability and, and 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 these three words I think people will they'll go to their deathbed they'll divorce uh, their spouses they'll separate from their children they'll quit jobs certainly because it, it just feels so weak to say these words and and the irony is it's power not overused but these three words maybe the for me anyway they're the three most powerful words together in the the English or human language. And that is, I am sorry. And I'm sure, Wes, in your life, um, you've known folks that just cannot, will not say that. And and, and without being able to be involved, to to feel like that that I've got all the answers or that um, I am not in a position to acknowledge my imperfections and and, and not to be in a position of connecting with people by truly saying those nine words, but emphasis on in this particular example I'm using, I'm sorry, Um, these words are liberating. Oh, they also can be controlled by folks that truly are not using them in in their authentic passion. So those nine words for me, it, it dawned on me, Gosh, maybe 10 years ago, uh, these nine words, I often utilize them, not only in interviewing new folks, but in trying to coach new folks, and, and, and not just the words, but exa- I also try to live with them, because I, I'm, I'm as imperfect as, as any leader, and so in staff meetings, in one-on-ones, is the fessing up, fessing up to my imperfection, and fessing up to my to my humility, I was reading an article, Wes, um, recently. I, I I do this quote of the week. I, I send it to you often, for my team. And, and in fact, this week's quote of the week was, got me thinking about authentic leadership. And one of the things that I was reading, and I thought it was wonderful. It said that, um, it said something like, when I when I consider the past, that's my ego. And then and, and then and then it went on a lot about the future and it said when I when I think about my future it's important but that's that's pride. But when I'm thinking about the present, both my words and my successes and my imperfections, that's humility. I thought that was pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, and and you know when you first said that to me those nine words I felt uncomfortable. I was I remember thinking like, you know, how does that actually, you know, how could I, you know, how do you actually do it? And and how, how do you actually um, say those things? And, and what do you need in your environment to feel comfortable saying those things? And and, and I also thought it was, so, so, you know, I had to actually think about it for some time. And then you just also kind of in passing said not overuse. In other words, like this isn't, you know, a, a cure to anything but it's something you should be thinking about a lot because if you think about it a lot, there, there is a place for this. And if you don't, so it's not just to do it, just to do it, but it's to do it where, where, where it matters most. And, you know, So, so, so the, the question that I have, I think if I'm listening from the ears of an adjuster or an attorney, and I think it's a tough one. So I hate to put you on the spot. What if I'm not in an environment where that's been welcomed? And, and how can I, what do I do?
1: what you Fair, Fair enough, so we, we've all got to read the audience. And now, the ego wants to protect his or herself, sort of the prideful person. We've all got to read the audience. Now, so if I'm in a negotiation, I was on a mediation call yesterday, and you know our attorney, their attorney, and the issues and things. So that's not the time, in my opinion. Um, that, that's a game of chess, a little bit of poker too, and mediation. However, these moments of radiation are when we're in leadership. So if if you're an attorney, and let's say you have a team of folks that work with you, because nobody works for you, they work with you. I think the strongest thing that can happen is is if you accept and buy into this philosophy is to begin modeling it. And and, and so not to be the smarty pants to where you come in the room, I recently read this book or I heard this podcast. No, it's to to, to Mm -hmm. dive in to get deep personal with the team and to get deep into who you are as you're relating individually one-on-one and as a group. And and, oh there won't be it won't take much time because I make mistakes every day. I could tell you today I could take about four things and tell you, hey, I was wrong on that and 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 here's where I've learned. So to find real world things in the day-to-day relationships, if you're in a position as a client's manager, as a managing attorney, even if you don't have direct reports, how you're working with your peers one on one, and in my view, it, it's a process first of saying those words to you. I, 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 in fact, matter of fact, if I don't, it sounds weird here, but if I don't forgive myself first for things that I haven't measured up to, how in the world I mm. that weakness to you? So. I think there's lots of great opportunities as we're, as we're talking to ourselves and as we're working with others and our families uh, to get better and to add more value.
0: Very, yeah, I, that's so, yeah, I mean, like you just said, you can't take the advice and immediately, you know, you do have to think about this stuff and, 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 and use it for the purpose. And, and if you are the claims professional, uh, if you're managing people my my view is when you do that Bob your team does that so you have a better team right now in peers it's probably the same thing nothing's more frustrating than when someone's not admitting something but if you've never admitted something then don't expect anybody else to admit something so not at uh, all. It, it's almost it's, it's almost essential to uh, succeeding uh, when done when done properly it's just a perfect segue so you know again I've noticed that, you do things different in American Integrity. Yes, you're a great leader, but you spend all your time trying to make this group of people around you leaders. Um, how are you doing that, and why is that such a priority for you, given all the other challenges and you know things that you're facing, in, in the outside
1: world and within American Integrity? All, all I've got is my ability to add value to. I mean, that's what we have as a leader. Um, oh, I can, you know, I think I'm decent at certain skill sets. And does that mean I don't dive in when there's a crisis and where there's an opportunity? Of course. Yet, yet it's important for me that it's not, so it's not, it's, if, 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 if as a leader, if we expect, if I expect that everything that a person that works with me, not for me, does, is in my image. I got a big problem. Two reasons. One, I don't need all these people because um, it, it, the strength of leadership and a team is diversity. Number two, it, 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 the, all the leadership abilities to leverage greater results lies in the respect and confidence of the team. And what that means, and I learned this a long time ago, hard ways, is that I have to accept in my mind that even with the coaching and all of that, that no one is gonna execute something just like I would do it. And Guess what? Probably gonna be better most of the time. So I accept in my own head an 80% rule. What I mean as I've coached, as I've developed leaders, if in fact I'm in a position where the message and the solution is on target, it's gonna be 20% totally, at least 20% totally different certainly the style, but also the outcome. And so I think it's the maturity of the leader to be in a position with this authentic leadership is to recognize the power of that diversity and not the know-it-all necessity that the only way to do it is the way I might do it. So I, and that, that, that's, that's number one. But as far as is why we as leaders, why you do it at guide and we attempt to do it. American. do. Why do we pour into our leaders? It's because of, here's how I feel. Number one, I think we have a value-added responsibility as leaders. We, we've been entrusted and we're going to do it wrong. I hope we do it more often right than not because the things that we do, the things that we lead are monumentally impactful to people's careers, people's lives. Yes, the corporation's results here, but, I, but um, I, I'm um, i a big believer. I'm a big believer. And the founder of Southwest Airlines uh, wrote a book called Nuts. Uh, and and he's, he's passed on now. But um, Herb was just an eccentric, phenomenal leader. And here, here's what he said. If I pick the right people, if I serve my leaders, if they're the number one customer, they will treat my customers well. And, and so... Everything, all the juice for uh, for, for customer delivery, for acceptance-rated product lies in the authenticity of our leaders, the team that we're building, and their contentment, their happiness, and, and their development.
0: That's also something that you've helped me learn, just understanding the servant leadership approach and, and, and being there for your group. And. Um, that that like you just said, like if you treat them, you model that you're supporting them, they're going to support the customers, or they're going to support their team. Uh, and and it, it, it's funny because it's not it's not what you have to you actually have to work to figure this thing out. it's not what you see in the movies or you hear about in the stories about these companies that get started off the ground this, so I'm, I I, mean, this is like working perfectly with the segues, Bob. So I went, you know, as I was learning this and and you were helping me with this too, you could go really far in that one direction, of servant leadership and really think that that means, Hey, I'm going to help you with this thing or, or, or do this thing, uh, for you. And then I've come to find out what they all what what your team also needs from leadership is what's your vision and how do you measure progress? And and it's funny because when you when you hear about the servant leadership or you hear like some of the thoughts you just shared, you think, okay, well, I'm just gonna support my team hundred percent Your team will still be unhappy, your team will, will get frustrated because you're not giving them direction. It's great that you that you're acting like they're great, but they also want to be challenged and they want to feel like they're making progress. So I'm going to use this as a, another difficult segue, to, in general, like where do metrics come in for you, or you know me- measuring your operating systems, different things like, how do you use? Which I, th- I think this is very useful for the adjusters and attorneys that also are, or, or that that might be unfamiliar with a more metrics driven organization like an insurance company where it's baked in. But how do you? counterbalance, hey, I'm here to serve you with, I'm also here to help you have the best career and develop personally and try to make that pretty clear scoreboard. But what's your philosophy on that? How do you use metrics to help your team feel like they're making progress and winning? Because I, I feel like that's as important part of leadership as it is to be a servant, yeah?
1: It, it is, look, we all need another know the goalpost. And, 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 some, and those goalposts are gonna change. Yet without the, the, the driven nature of the goalpost and, and, and what our objectives are, how, how do you keep score? You can't. I'm a big believer that if, if you can't measure it, then you can't manage it, which is true. Now, not everything is, is, is reduced to data-driven scenarios, but, but more are than not. E- even some of the soft side of, of, of human resources and of leadership can be reduced to certain measurement criteria. Now, the answers could be subjective, I get that, but the answers are from humans from which those results can be categorized and can be compared. So, um, and, and if you look at an insurance company, especially a Florida-based insurance company, and, and you know, I'll often tell, I was mentoring a really young person here a few, a few weeks ago, only 16 years old and uh, a, uh, a grandson of, of a family friend, maybe wants to be an actuary, brilliant guy, got a perfect ACT, SAT score and math. And so I'm talking all about actuarial science and how and that person can make their mark. But, but I was, what I was explaining this to this person is, and this fits for every one of us because we all serve this industry. This is the only industry known to mankind, the only industry known to mankind where the cost of goods sold is not known to matter for the fact, period. Manufacturing facility, we know cost of goods sold. We we, we know the assembly line, We, we know inventory costs. Yes, they can change retail order that you see where I'm going here. We rely upon data to predict Lost cost. Oh, and how do you predict data with lost cost? When the minute something like SIBO or JOYCE happens and immediately the entire triangles for calendar year, accident year, prior years have just been obliterated. And, and so that, that's a huge challenge here. But for our industry, the, the beauty and the depth of data is remarkable and there's not a more perfect industry for data-driven people to make one hell of a difference because of that cost of goods sold unknown. To me, that's fascinating because we're the only industry.
0: Yeah, that is really interesting. And I think that that has led, well, I think that, you know, you mentioned SIBO and Joyce, two case uh, cases that in Florida that have changed the calculations on, you know, loss development. And, and I, I think that the historical I won't say certainty, but the ability to predict, like the insurance industry has been very good at predicting loss, and then having, having risk man- or risk transfer tools there for when it was difficult to predict, and I think that that created some complacency around building metrics for claims and litigation that are that that are sophisticated enough to keep up, uh, and because. The problem with litigation is it's, you know, first of all, you got your you know six months until it gets into litigation, you got your year plus until it settles. If you wait until then to figure out what that was gonna cost, you you, you have a, a big challenge there. I think that there weren't that many surprises for so long that, that the legal and the claims industry wasn't ready to adapt. And, um, it, you know, I, it's been beautiful because I have seen the leadership Improve. I mean, I've just seen some tremendous. You know, you basically have claims and litigation departments in Florida, because of the litigation epidemic, like you would see at a national carrier. I mean, you see, and just these excellent people that have stepped up. Um, I think a lot of people are in are in other organizations where there's been a lot of turnover, and there's been a lot of changing priorities, and there's been a lot of not admitting to mistakes. And so for those folks, you know, this hopefully this is eye-opening for you that there are Florida leaders that still have a long-term perspective that are willing to put in the time into their people. Um, because that's the only way this thing works is, is, is by being data driven, by 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 leading people through this, not basically blaming everybody for what happened. As we've seen, this has been way too complex and there's way too many parties involved. This the Florida epidemic, especially. In um, litigation in general, nationally, there's there's a lot of these trends elsewhere now, not in a home property market, but um, you know, different lines of business in different regions. You, you got to be at, in my opinion, you got to be at a company where I don't know why you would choose a company that's not that doesn't have a leader that you uh, really appreciate. And these are the elements of it, the things that that you've shared. So I appreciate that, Bob. I have one last question for you, if you can believe it. So. One of the big things that I've seen in this industry is there's not a ton of community. Um, I know there feels like there is in these pockets, like there's NAMIC for mutuals, there's um, you know different groups that'll get together, but in like the claims and litigation community, there, there's not a big community. Um, I've noticed how much you've prioritized building a community um, and you've done it in like a lot of different ways. You have a lot of different communities, a lot of different groups. Um, and and I've seen you you try to get them as much information as you can, and you're, you're basically you're a, a asking them to join a cause that they're all behind, but maybe couldn't um, lead themselves. So, and and this has expanded and somehow. You've graduated to not being able to lead not just your own company, but everybody around you, including myself. So, why is community building become so important to you? Um, and, and 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 you know why are you taking these causes on yourself. I think everybody, at least in our circles, have noticed how great of a leader you become, not just to American integrity, but to the whole industry. Talk to me about why you found that to be so important.
1: So we, we all either succeed together or we fail together. And um, look, I, I love great competition. And I often say to our team here, you know, we recently have seen Gulfstream go into insolvency. I don't like that. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll pick up some of the business, perhaps not, but I'd much rather compete with a strong industry with strong competitors. There are 6.5 million homes. There are plenty of homes. There is plenty of business for more American integrities, more good competitors, that's number one. Number two is it is fragmented and it's very, very challenging um, and oftentimes Oftentimes, us as we're looking at change in Tallahassee, the legislators get weary because we're not unified, and sometimes we're even fighting against each other because the trade associations are not as strong as they could be. Um, And so for that, um, we have much more in common as as we fight the bad guys and fight this cause here. And unfortunately, um, we're not all always galvanized, uh, yet, it's important for me that we be a thought, not the thought leader. We're not the biggest, smartest or best, but a thought leader with both our agency partners and with our good competitors. And we have found that things like LinkedIn, uh, we've got uh, we've got numbers of followers. In fact, uh, we doubled that reach here in just the last twelve months. The other thing that we started was Floridians for lawsuit reform. And that has been a good conduit for education, for the uh, elimination of the insurance fraud factor here. But but back to why we do it, it's because I love what I do, so do you. And and Florida is an exceptional place to make a living and to serve constituents. Or I'm also fed up with this hidden tax. See, here's how I feel. There's about two or 3% of Floridians that are taxing the rest of us and it's wrong. There's no such thing as a free roof, but certain folks have been talked into it and certain constituents like lawyers and roofers have been able to game the system here. So we've got to squeeze out that problem. There's so many things we cannot do with mother nature. We can measure mother nature much better than we did a generation ago with catastrophe models. We can mitigate that risk with world-class reinsurers. And yes, occasionally we get the cat four or five. But that can be managed in the long haul. What we ought not let happen are man-made crises created by legal extortion, opportunism, and greed that totally trash a business that we're all proud of serving here. And and so that takes all of us, not just a few of us. And for that reason, we really are, are incredibly involved in the process and really trying to make some changes in Tallahassee.
0: Well, uh, you know, I definitely appreciate that all of our, all you know, all, everybody that that has from agents to your policy elders, to your team, to all your partners has appreciated that. I think, you know, as I bring this to a close, for those of you that don't know, American Integrity has been one of the top performers. And I say that because, you know, you know Bob, Bob could theoretically feel like this, is, you know, that this volatility could benefit him um, because it's going to hurt a lot of other companies before it hurts Bob, but he's basically on behalf of the industry building that community, you know, leading the fight against this challenge that will disrupt a lot of people before it disrupts his company. And I think I I say that because that's a, that's a very virtuous thing, but also because um, the the record speaks for itself. Uh, You know, this type of leadership, this type of community building, this type of Long, I call it long term focus. You, you know, you, you, you didn't jump at you didn't try to win every quarter like a lot of companies did. And then they had to fi- finally fess up and own up to, to what was really going on. It, it, it's the winning formula. Um, this type of uh, conservative uh, risk approach, which, of course, couldn't, you know, couldn't be conservative enough in Florida. But relative to some of the competitors, um, it, 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 it's the winning formula right? Long-term, short-term. So to have you as the voice is just so much more credible uh, for our community. Um, and then it's just, it's from a leadership perspective, you know, I want to thank you for the leadership you provided me. You've helped not only um, me, but my team become a better team and all the support that you've shown since Kate's claim was just a little drawing, <laughs> you know, and, and and you 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 knew enough about claims and litigation to to foresee that this was, could be an issue. I think you were already on it back in 2015. Um, and so, you know, thank you for the kind words, but all the stuff you do for us every day. And what a great opportunity for the audience, Bob. They, you know, these are adjusters, these are attorneys, they have caseloads 100, 200. It's not every day that they get to hear this perspective. And a lot of them may, you know, but may never hear this type of thing. Uh, you know, they're trying to, you know, that you mentioned. Uh, you know, this is the, their time. Yeah, they all are a little million, each adjuster, each attorney is a little million dollar business, I mean, what a, that's amazing. You, you, you're managing a million dollars in expense and indemnity and the type of impact you can have is unbelievable. So for them to hear that calling that you gave them is, is just incredible and they're so fortunate to see, um, you know, to, to get your perspective that I get and now I get to share with everybody else. Um, yeah, I'd like to, before I uh, let let everybody um, know how they can reach you, um, anything else you'd like to say, Bob, before I wrap this up?
1: Each of you is making one one heck of a difference. And I don't know all of you, obviously, but I want to thank you because the work you're doing is unprecedented. It is a, it, it, it's a, I think, as I said, it, it's a once in a career opportunity, uh, as you both, help us solve the crisis. But Wes, to your point, as all of you help to build a better mousetrap, a better set of tools for the future, because let me tell you, this is not the last crisis. I often get claimed professional legal professionals, what's next? And I don't grin because I don't mean to be smirk about it. There will be one. Wasn't too many years ago, it was sinkhole. And wasn't too many years ago, it was mold. Now this one, granted, is deeper, and, and it's more existential in it's threat than anything that we've seen in a full generation. But, the, but the, the, the protocol that you're doing and the approaches that you're taking are going to be permanent changes. And, and so your value add will continue to rise. I also, it'd be lost on me. It'd be lost on me. You're doing all of this in the middle of a once, a once in a generation, some would say a once in a 100 year scenario with, with COVID-19. We, we all want it to be over, not yet. We, we know what's happening with the, the variant. We know the chances of us personally getting sick or dying are very, very rare, but it will continue to be a disruptor. And so I think in our industry, we have a crisis within a crisis. Uh, we, we've got the Florida residential crisis now on top of it the last year and a half. We've got the COVID-19 crisis. So hats off to all because you're making one heck of a difference. And it's been my honor to be a part of this uh, of this podcast. Thank you.
0: Amen. Bob, if someone wants to reach out to you, they want to follow up on, on, on what you talked about, where can they go?
1: So please uh, email me. It's richie R-R-I-T-C-H-I-E at A-I-I-Florida.com. I read all okay. my emails. It'd be my honor to get one from you.
0: What an amazing offer. Bob, thank you so much for sharing your story with the Litigation Management Podcast. I hope we get to do it again sometime soon. Thank you. Take care.